Yehuda Geber here with another Jewish History Soundbites podcast. And we're actually going to continue what we started yesterday um, of the Slabatki Yeshiva settling into Hebron, becoming the Hebron Yeshiva. And while there was high hopes for the Yeshiva being successful in Hebron, we mentioned already last time that uh, shortly after their arrival, um, we had the tragedy of Ramesha Finkel, the altar of Slabatka's son, and the Rosh Hashiva Ramesha Mordechai Epstein's son-in-law, who had an untimely passing, and this had a very bad effect on the altar of Slabatka, Ramesha Finkel. He changed his mind about the choice of Hebron. He criticized Reb Chatzkel Sarna uh, for choosing it. He said that when in a holy place, then uh, there's higher demands of behavior, and therefore uh, we're in a holy place, we're in the proximity of the Ovis, of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, Marasa Machpelah, and um, it's, it's not good. We shouldn't be in, in such proximity because it's dangerous. According to one um, version, he actually had a dream that the Ovis are not happy with them in Hebron, so he was dreamt about it, and he wanted to leave. It wasn't practical at that point to leave. Um, they did not have enough funding, um, and um, they, they, there was not a good feeling about them being in Hebron. Despite that, the yeshiva did flourish to a certain extent. Uh, they rented a building from an Arab landlord. That building still exists today. Um, in the old, the old city of, of Hebron, in the, um, in the uh, Arab part, the Palestinian uh, part of the city. And, um, and the yeshiva grows. Not only do they have the senior students who came with them from Slabatka, but now they're actually attracting locals uh, and other ones coming from Eastern Europe. And the yeshiva does grow and has somewhat of a success. They hire a new staff member, a new mashgiach, or Leib Chasman, who had learned and uh, studied under the altar of Slabatka many, many years before. He also studied in, was a student of Kelm, and he joins the staff. Um, but the altar of Slabatka himself uh, does not stay in Hebron a long time. He was mourning his son's death. His health uh, took a turn for the worse. He moved to Tel Aviv um, shortly after he arrived. And... Um, and he, the weather was better for him there. Following that, he moved to Yerushalayim, where he passed away in the beginning of 1927, the winter of 1927. And uh, the altar's death left a very, shook up the yeshiva. The altar had founded the yeshiva in Slabatka, and he was the senior father of the yeshiva of many of the senior Talmidim. And that was a big blow to the yeshiva. In addition, um, Ramesh Mordechai Epstein was really not around that much. He was busy fundraising in the United States. And at the same time, he also would return to Lita, return to Lithuania, to Slabatka, where he was still clearing up the positions he had left behind, both as the Rosh Yeshiva of the Slabatki Yeshiva there, and as the rabbi of the Slabatka Jewish community. And he was not much in Hevron. So really it was Rebchatzkel Sarna running the show. And the senior Talmidim of the altar of Slabatka, the ones who had arrived from Slabatka, did not really relate to their 
colleague, uh, Reb Chatzkel Sarna, as their leader and Rosh Yeshiva, and there was somewhat of a tension in the Yeshiva between Reb Chatzkel Sarna and the younger Talmidim on one hand, and the senior elderly Talmidim on the other hand. And it was, it was also not the ideal situation for the older students. Their Hebron was a little bit out of it. Um, these guys were already looking to move on. They were looking to get married. Um, and their eyes were turned either towards Yerushalayim and more so to Petach Tikva, Tel Aviv, the areas where Jews from Europe, Jews from Lithuania and Poland were settling at the time. And they, they did not really feel comfortable in Hebron. So the Hebron uh, yeshiva is a little bit of a um, a little bit at a crisis, um, but at the same time it is growing. So there's this these two paths going on. Not only that, but in his fundraising in the United States, or Marshall Mordechai Epstein actually recruits American boys to come and join the yeshiva in Hebron, and this was an incredible um, revolutionary concept. American boys. First of all, studying in yeshiva. But even if they would study in yeshiva, they would study in yeshiva in America, or the new Rabbeinu Yitzchel in yeshiva, a few of the other early yeshivas, Rabbeinu RJJ, Rabbeinu Yaakov Yosef yeshiva. And here they're going to go abroad to a faraway place, to this backwater, desert, um, Hebron, in the middle of nowhere, this yeshiva. And incredibly enough, there are American students who do that. Um, and we'll get back to them um, by the tragedy of the Hebron Massacre. But we'll get back to those American students. So you have Americans joining. You also have other boys from Eastern Europe coming. And that's, the, that's what's going on in the Hebron Yeshiva um, during those five years. Ramesh Mordechai Epstein eventually does come back to Hebron. Um, but by this time, the Yeshiva is going through the above-mentioned crisis. A, the entire Jewish settlement in Palestine at the time was going through a crisis. The uh, Arab unrest, Palestinian nationalism is on the rise, and of course to go through the entire story of the um, of the of the um, the ups and downs of the Jewish settlement in in British-controlled Palestine and Eretz Yisrael, and as far as the relationship with the Arabs and the rise of Palestinian nationalism would be a huge topic in itself, and we're focused on the story in the context of the greater story, but we're going to focus on the story of Hebron Yeshiva amongst all this happening. And when the massacre of, in Hebron breaks out, the Yeshiva finds itself in the middle of it all. The tensions had been rising between the Jewish population and the Arab population in the Hebron area, as well as in Yerushalayim. The uh, 1929 massacres were definitely not limited to Hebron. They were in several different places around. Um, the British weren't sure of the direction that they wanted to take it all. And the massacre hits. And it hits on Friday afternoon. And the main massacre takes place actually on Shabbos itself. Chai of Tarpat. August 23rd, 1929, ultimately 67 uh, Jewish citizens of Hebron are killed in this tragic massacre, 24 of whom, which is about a third, are students of the Hebron Yeshiva. And um, on one hand, it's a, it's a, it was a huge tragedy, 
um, it ended the settlement in Hebron, it ended the yeshiva in Hebron. On the other hand, before we get to the ones who were actually killed, what we would want to know is why so many of them were not killed. There was oh, well over 100 boys in the yeshiva at the time. There was about 150 bacharim in the yeshiva. And uh, 24 are killed. How are the other ones saved? So chai of, understandably so, is bein hazmanim. It's in the middle of the summer break, in the summer vacation. Many of the elder students um, were not in the yeshiva at all. They were in Tel Aviv. At other places, they were looking for, you know, no one wanted to stay in Hebron during the hot summer months, especially if there was no yeshiva in session. So many of the elder students of the yeshiva were not even there. The majority, I would say. There was also a, um, a simcha affiliated with one of the students of the yeshiva, and many of the boys in the yeshiva had gone to attend a wedding or a shavabrach or something of that sort. And um, it was also Shabbos. Many people in general went away for Shabbos. In the, the, even if they stayed in the Hebron during the week, they would go to Tel Aviv, to Petach Tikva, to places, to family or friends that they knew for Shabbos. So there were very, very few people who had remained in the yeshiva during that time. In addition to that, um, uh, not in addition, but in that context, the ones who would stay were the people who had no place to go for Shabbos, the ones who didn't have connections, the ones who didn't know other people around. And that's why a very disproportionate amount of the ones killed were younger boys, and especially foreigners, especially Americans. Eight out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Hebron, which was a very high proportion of the ones killed were actually Americans. And we'll talk about a few of them. Um, there was a, a boy named Binyamin Horowitz, who had come from Farakaway in New York, had learned in a yeshiva that later came to be affiliated with Rabbi Yitzchak Khan with Yeshiva University at that time, was a, 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 a preparatory sort of yeshiva. Um, and uh, it's called the Talmudical Academy. It was a, really an affiliate of Rabbi Yitzchak Hanan, and he had gone to learn in in um, in Hebron Yeshiva not long before that, and he was killed in the massacre. A more famous boy who was killed in the massacre was a boy named Aaron David Epstein. He was actually a nephew of the Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Moshe Mordechai Epstein. Rabbi Moshe Mordechai Epstein had a brother. Rabbi Ephraim Fischel Epstein, who was a rabbi in Chicago, was a communal rabbi in a shul in Chicago. And Rabbi Shemot Epstein, when he was fundraising in Chicago, he convinced his brother to send his son, Aaron David, to the yeshiva in Hebron. There was a boy, Aaron David Scheinberg, from Memphis, who learned in the yeshiva in Hebron. Both of those boys were also killed. Um, the the several other American boys killed. And, and ironically, um, the, um, the, there was another, two brothers who were also American, two brothers learning there in the yeshiva, Mo and Lester Harbader. They were injured. They were not killed. They say got saved. They were injured in the massacre. They were studying also at the Hebron yeshiva at the time. Actually, one of them was the father of the recently deceased executive of, of uh, director of Yeshiva's Darche Teira, also in Farakway, Rabbi Yehuda Harbader, who recently passed away. And his father was one of those two brothers 
Moen Lester Harbader, who were injured in the Hebron massacre as well. Their family actually made Aliyah, an American family making Aliyah, moving to Eretz Yisrael during those years, an incredibly rare story. It's a story in itself of Americans who did make Aliyah during the 1920s, an incredible story in itself. The Mashgiach, the current Mashgiach of the Mir Yeshiva, may he have a refuah shalema, Rab Aaron Chodosh, who's been the Mashgiach in the Mir Yeshiva for many, many years. He um, is named Aaron David, and um, his father, Rab Meir Chodosh, was in the Chevron Yeshiva at the time. He was soon to become the Mashgiach of the Chevron Yeshiva, the famous Rab Meir Chodosh. That's a long time, about 60 years, he was the Mashgiach in the Chevron Yeshiva. And his wife was expecting, and he and his wife by miracle survived, and they named their son Aaron David. I always thought it was after Aaron David Epstein, um, and I assume it is, because the Rameir Chadash was related to the Epsteins. Um, he was married, he married, uh, married a relative of the Epsteins, and he named his son, the current Mashkiach of the yeshiva, after one of those boys who were killed in the massacre. This other boy from Memphis, Aaron David Scheinberg, is also named Aaron David, but I believe that the one who the Mashgiach is named after is Aaron David Epstein, who is related to Rameir Chadash. Of course, the American Bachram and Yishi were not the only ones killed. Like we said, 67 people were killed. The head of the Hebron Jewish community, Eliezer Dun Slonin, was a very famous, dynamic personality. He came from a Chabad uh, um, Hasidish family who were the main leading Jewish family in heaven for many years, both spiritually and financially. He ran, he was the president and manager of the bank in Hebron. He was a powerful person, very well connected. People thought they would be safe in his house, and he himself was killed, and many, many others in his house were killed as well. Rebarch Berlebovich of the Kamenetz Yeshiva had a son learning in heaven at the time, and he actually survived. There was another famous American, Bacher, who was learning in the Hebron Yeshiva at the time, the one who founded Beis Yaakov in America, Rebarach Kaplan, who learned later on in the Mir Yeshiva, learned in Kamenitz by Rebarach Ber, married the very famous Vichna Kaplan, who was a student of Sarah Shanir and had founded the Beis Yaakov in Baranovich, and she married Rebarach Kaplan, and they founded Beis Yaakov in America following the war. He was learning in Hebron at the time, and he also survived. Another Rebbe, who was in the Hebron Yeshiva, was Reb Moshe Grzynski. We know that the Mashkiach in Slabatka, and actually one of the ones who founded the Hebron Yeshiva, was Reb Avram Grzynski, a student of the Altar of Slabatka. The Altar of Slabatka realized that, the, that even though he had sent Reb Avram Grzynski to found the Hebron Yeshiva, but he needed him back in Slabatka to become the Mashkiach. And he was sent back to become the Mashgiach in the Slabatka branch that remained in Slabatka together with Rabbi Isaac Sher, later to be killed by the Nazis during the Holocaust and the liquidation of the Kovna ghetto. But his younger brother was Rabbi Grzynski. And Rabbi Grzynski was a Rebbe in Warsaw, and the Yeshiva's Tyrus Chaim in Warsaw, together with Rabbi Hirsch Glickson, who was a son in law of Rabbi Chaim Brisker. Rabbi Grzynski at some point moves to Hebron, and he becomes a Rebbe in the Hebron Yeshiva. He's you know, part of the Slabatka story. His brother is the Mashgiach in Slabatka. His brother was the one who founded the Hebron Yeshiva. And he's also killed in the Hebron uh, Massacre. Um, the Hebron Massacre makes huge waves in the, in the Jewish world, in the Yeshiva world. 
back in Lithuania when they hear about it. Can you imagine the famous Slabatki Yeshiva? It was one of theirs. It was one of the Lithuanian Yeshiva world looked at Slabatka as the crown glory, and they had been these pioneering Yeshiva to move to Eretz Yisrael, and everyone was talking about them. Many of them, many of the boys killed were known by other ones. The Lithuanian Yeshiva world was not that large at the time. People knew each other. And here there was this decimation, this destruction. The yeshivas done for, they're exiled, many of them are killed, and it really it really shook up everyone in the Litvish yeshiva world, so much so that Rabbi Rucham Levavitz, the famous mashgiach in the Mir yeshiva, he spoke, um, he spoke, he gave a shmuz, really a hesped, he eulogized the, the students of the altar who had been killed in the Hebron massacre on Yom Kippur night in the Mir Yeshiva. This was only about a two months, less than two months later. And he had never, never spoke Yom Kippur night. It was not his custom to speak Yom Kippur night. He never gave a shmuz. And here he said, I'm departing from my normal tradition because this is a tragedy. This is something that we have to speak about. The great and holy students of the Slabatka Hebron Yeshiva who were killed, we have to speak about that. And he and he, uh, again, was very shaken up by this occurrence. Of course, the Chevron Yeshiva itself is shattered. Um, they come broken survivors to Yerushalayim. Reb Chatzko Sarna, Reb Leib Chasman, or Meir Chodesh, they start the Chevron Yeshiva in Geula in Yerushalayim. But a group of the older students of the Altar of Slabatka, they instead realized their original dream and moved to Tel Aviv, where they start a Slabatki Yeshiva in Tel Aviv. Heichal HaTalmud, and it becomes the first, one of the first yeshivas in Tel Aviv. And, um, and it's a Slabatki yeshiva founded by students of the altar. One of them is actually the altar's grandson, Reb Chaim Zev Finkel, who was later to become the Mashgiach in the Mir Yeshiva. And they, that's a Slabatka branch. And the other Slabatka branch is, becomes Hebron in Yerushalayim. But they're shattered. They become, uh, where are they going to go? And originally when they come in, it's in the middle of the summer, where are they going to go? And the young and small struggling Merkaz Harav Yeshiva, which Rav Kook had started, they invited them to join them up for the Yomim Neroyim for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur davening. And this was the, a great, great uh, show of unity, show of love to invite in the Chevron Yeshiva of Slabatka, together with the Merkaz Harav Yeshiva, Rav Kook. They davened together that Rosh Hashanah. And they honored one of the students of the Chevron Yeshiva to daven for, for the for the Amr, to daven Meir of the first night, and he got up to the words of the Avascha Al Tasser Menu in the second bracha of Kriyashma, and he started to cry, asking Hashem after all they've gone through, so much destruction, so much death, so much being lost, but please Hashem, don't remove your love from us, and here. This yeshiva is inviting us in. We have a place back in the yeshiva world. We're going to rebuild from here. Please, don't remove your love from us, Hashem. And that was uh, no, not a dry ear in the entire room from people who spoke about it afterwards. Everyone was crying together. A very moving scene. And that really came to define the new Hebron yeshiva. This massacre came to define their existence. They were only five years in Hebron. But at the main entrance, till today, if you go to Givat Mordechai, in the neighborhood of Yerushalayim, where the Hebron Yeshiva still exists, in the main entrance to the Yeshiva, and the entrance foyer before the main base Medrash, there was a huge plaque with the names of the 24 students who were killed. This has come to define the Yeshiva till today. 
very tragic ending, but from that they rebuilt both in Heichal Talmud and Tel Aviv, the Chavon Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, and through the many students that it continued to have. This was Yehuda Geber with another podcast of Jewish History Soundbites. You can email me at ygebss at gmail.com for tours and um, of these great places to learn about these amazing people. You could subscribe now to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Don't miss an episode of our podcast. If you enjoy, give us a good rating. Share with your friends and family. You can also follow us on Twitter at jsoundbites.com. And 